Hello, Hawks fans, and welcome to another episode of the Kettle Cast with your host, Forrest Willoughby. On this episode of the Cast, we're talking about the Hawks' 91 125 loss to the Bucks in Game 2 of the Eastern Conference Finals. The Bucks come out with a completely different energy to Game 2 and use a 20 0 run in the second quarter to get a big win and even the series at 1. Without further ado, let's get into it. The Hawks got the 1-1 split coming out of Milwaukee that they wanted, but the Bucks came out with just a ton of energy, playing just a lot of their defense much harder and getting out into transition and finding Giannis a lot earlier, and were able to use a huge 20-0 run in that second quarter to establish a 40-point lead going into halftime, and then they really cruised to the end. The Hawks did get to see a little bit of Cam Reddish, which was nice to see, and I thought actually Bogdan Bogdanovich had his best night since getting that injury, but this was just a brutal, brutal game for the Hawks where really nothing was working early and nothing was working late. I will give the Bucks a lot of credit. They came out with the right sense of urgency and intensity and really took it to the Hawks from the beginning, from the opening tip-off. Um, the Hawks were, did a really nice job of hanging in there in quarter one. It was 28-34 to 34 after one quarter, but then the Bucks had their big huge run in the second quarter where they had scored 20 unanswered points and again were able to go into halftime up 77 to 45. Um, this was just a game after having a lot of good defensive games in a row. The Hawks gave up consecutive quarters of 34 points in the first quarter and then 43 points in the second quarter and that's just not going to get it done. Uh, the Hawks couldn't do anything defensively or offensively to really slow down the Bucks, and one thing they're going to have to really concentrate on once they come back to Atlanta is just rebounding. Um, the Bucks were able to get out rebound the Hawks forty-seven to thirty-four, including sixteen offensive boards, and that turned into twenty-four second chance points for the Bucks, out where the Hawks just got eleven. And that was an area where the Hawks would have a good defensive possession, but then just not finish it off with a rebound. And the Bucks again got a rebound off a missed free throw, which is just brutal. You, you've done the right thing. You've sent Giannis to the line. He goes one for two, but then you allow them to get another opportunity to score points. And both chances, one time in game one and one time in game two, the Bucks have cashed in with a three-pointer off of that miss. And so uh, outscoring the Hawks 24 to 11 in second chance points is just brutal. Um, but the Bucks came out and they just had all the energy. I, I don't know that the Hawks were prepared for that. Um, and they certainly didn't make any adjustments. I thought this was the first time the entire playoffs that Trey really looked discombobulated out there. He was getting into the paint and getting caught up in the air and throwing turnovers. Trey had nine turnovers in this game. Any game where Trey has nine turnovers, it's going to be tough for the Hawks to win. And the Bucks got out in transition, and they frankly just destroyed the Hawks in transition. They outscored the Hawks there, twenty-seven to twelve, and. For as much as this is a young team with the Hawks and you want them to get out and play fast, this is why Coach Nate McMillan doesn't want that to happen. And he doesn't want games to turn into track meets because um, it's really hard to get a game under control when it's just going back and forth like that. Uh, again, I thought that the Bucks did a really nice job of coming out with a with a, a sense of purpose and just really you could tell that they wanted to get this game. At the beginning of the game, they were feeding everything to Giannis Antetokounmpo, and he went right to Clint Capella. I think one adjustment the Hawks can make is whether Giannis is in transition or starting possession. You can't give him space 
to eat up and go into uh, and get into his layups. He, if he gets a running start, he's hard for anyone to stop, much less Clint Capella, who has been going against the, um, Joel Embiid for the last seven games, um, or anyone. And letting him get that running start, there's no one in the league that can stop Giannis when he, once he does that. Once he does that. And so whether it's in transition and fouling him or when a possession starts getting up a little bit closer, you don't have to come out and be a face guarding or anything like that, but you can't give him two steps where he's unguarded and then he gets to the basket. But the Bucks did a nice job of really hammering him home and they were really trying to get to the basket early on. Despite having 70 points in the paint in game one, the Hawks were able to withstand that. But Milwaukee balanced that with some strong shooting from the three point line after Um, Just hitting eight three-pointers in the first game. Milwaukee came out and hit 15 of 41 for 37%. um, And really just dominating the Hawks on the glass, hitting three-point shots. That was enough for them to blow this game wide open. Um, After the second half, the Hawks came out and only scored 18 points in that third quarter. And so by the fourth quarter, it was really all garbage time. Both teams emptied their bench um, as the Bucs went on their way to win this game, 125-91. to But... The Hawks are going to have to come out and and do a lot better. And I think part of that is, again, getting rebounds, slowing down the pace, not letting the uh, Bucks get into transition, which includes uh, really valuing your possession. The Hawks had 20 turnovers that turned into 25 points for the Bucks, And then they're also going to have to work on the rotations. I thought there was a little bit of trying to get a little cute. I don't think Danilo Gallinari and Solomon Hill can be on the court at the same time. Both of those guys are guys Giannis is comfortable going at and the Bucks offense is going to try to target. And they're just two guys that cannot stay in front of Giannis Antetokounmpo. Not that there's a lot of guys that can, but those are two guys that in particular have been picked on so far in this series. Um, I think also having Gallo and Aneka Kongo out there by themselves, that's just a front line that's not going to be able to get it done. And while Brooke Lopez doesn't really play like a big center anymore, he's mostly shooting threes. Um or, or providing screens in the paint and stuff like that. You, you just can't do things like that. And uh, Bogdan got some early foul trouble. One of the most frustrating things about this game, I thought, was you could tell how physically the Bucks were playing defense. They were really bringing it, really challenging Trey to find his teammates in order to get something to go on offense. But then every time they're on offense, the Bucks want every foul call. And it's like you can't want to play physical defense and want every foul call on the other side. That That's not... That's not how a basketball game works. As much as we want to talk about consistency, it's just really frustrating to see a guy like P.J. Tucker hammer some of the players like John Collins on one side of the ball and then barely get touched and go down and the entire Bucks, uh sideline goes up in arms like someone's been shot on the court. But um, the Bucks came out and they were being physical on both sides of the ball. Again, they were getting it to Giannis early. He had some beautiful moves. He had a ridiculous spin around Solomon Hill. And then a mid-air adjustment where he scored over Clint Capella. He was getting to the rim and really uh, using his gifts to get to the rim and, and allow his other teammates to get going. Um, Drew Holiday had another great game. He w- scored 22 points, had two rebounds, seven assists. And the Bucks starters just did a nice job of really putting this game to bed early, doing a nice job of, of building that that 20-point lead, really taking advantage of the Hawks' miscues. Again, the Hawks had 20 turnovers compared to just 16 from the Bucks. Um, the Hawks did take advantage of the Bucks' turnovers. They scored 22 points on those. 
But, you know, when when you score 22 points on turnovers and you lose that battle 25 to 22, it's really hard to get into the game. Um, for the Hawks, they didn't really get strong performances from anyone. Trey Young, 15 points, 3 assists, 9 turnovers, 2 steals. I thought he was fighting early on. He was clearly frustrated. He had a really nice possession where uh, he scored a bucket, was guarding Drew Holiday on the inbounds pass, and was able to get a steal. And the Hawks were able to score and kind of get back into the game early on in this one. But Trey just never got going, and I thought he really was pressing in that second quarter run. He can sometimes fall in love with his three-point shot, and we all know, we've watched him this season, he certainly can hit those shots. But the Hawks got into the bonus really early in the second quarter. And a big frustrating thing, the Hawks only ended up shooting 17 free throws in this game. They were in the bonus with about six minutes to go in the second quarter and took about no advantage of that. And again, give a lot of credit to the Bucs. They played some really good defense. They had a really good plan on Trey Young. Everything was shifted towards him. And when you have players like Solomon Hill in there, Solomon Hill is not going to uh, keep his defender occupied at the three-point line. And the Hawks are going to have to figure something out, whether it's using him closer to the basket so he can get dunks instead of shooting threes or whatever. But the Bucks did a nice job of really limiting what Trey Young did after his just huge 48-point explosion in Game 1. Um, but the Hawks weren't able to adjust, and they really got frustrated. Again, it was it was as discombobulated as I've seen the Hawks this entire season. And it's just one game. Um, so, and, and I thought Trey Young afterwards had a really um, good mindset about it. He was saying, you know, this isn't a game you forget. You don't forget about any loss. This is a game you learn a lot from. Um, he took responsibility for his turnovers, just saying he needs to be better. He can't turn the ball over and expect his team to win. But I thought the Hawks in general as a team just didn't do enough. They got kind of got caught up in the mix. The Bucks were running. The Bucks used that big run. They were able to get easy looks. They started hitting their three-pointers, um, and the Hawks just didn't have anything falling or working, obviously, in that 20-0 run. And it's you know kind of derivative to break down a game to just that one run, but a 20-0 run in a basketball game is can sometimes do that. And this Hawks team has been resilient, but they were never able to put up a stretch and really cut into that lead to even cut it down, you know, to 20 points or something that would be more manageable where they could have some hope. And by the end of the game, um, it was just clear, you know, let's put the reserves in and get ready to go back home to Atlanta. It was good to see Cam Reddish come in. He played 17 minutes, was four of 10 from the field, made one three one of three three-pointers for 11 points. He also had a steal. Um, this was his first five-on-five five since getting injured. Uh, he looks pretty good. I, I don't think, and it's hard to tell with um, with Cam sometimes because he's so gifted and so smooth running, but it, it doesn't always look like he's you know moving at full speed. And if he's going to come in and, and really have an impact in this series, he's going to be have to be locked in from from that, this game onwards. Um, he certainly can play a little bit better offense, I think, than Solomon Hill. And he has the gifts to be a good defender, but it's just going to be getting him acclimated to the intensity of the game in the Eastern Conference Finals um, and finding his rotational minutes. Oneka Kongwu came in. Again, it was interesting to see Nate McMillan pair a Kongwu with Danilo Gallinari as a front court. It, he does a good job. I think he can cover Giannis as effectively as kind of anyone on this team. Um, again, there are no Greek freak stoppers on the Hawks, but Akangwu is going to have to learn how to really take advantage on the offensive side because 
The Bucks are doing a nice job of really identifying who the offensive threats are for the Hawks and really ignoring the rest of the Hawks completely. And until the Hawks can uh, punish that sort of behavior, the Bucks are going to be able to do that. And just examples of that, there was one possession in particular where Okongwu got the ball wide open at the free throw line, and he settled for that shot when he had two steps and a jam. There was no one, no Bucks defender in front of him, front of him at all. And just recognizing that, and being able to put the ball on the ground for one dribble and finishing that possession are things that um, Okongwu will get there. He is so young. He has come so far in this playoffs. I'm not worried about that. But this is a team, um, as Nate McMillan said after the game, these are two teams trying to make it to the finals, the NBA finals. And the Bucks show that they had another level to get to to compete and play against the Hawks. And the Hawks are going to have to find out if they have that same level. Um so, again, no real strong showings. It was nice to see Bogdan get off. He had eight points, two of four on his three-pointers. He looked a little bit better. I think he's getting adjusted to um, having to play with his injured knee. He had a layup. He came down a little funny. You can tell that that knee is bothering him, and he's not going to be 100% at all the rest of this postseason. But if he's able to be a uh, actual threat from the three-point line, that'll help Trey Young and the rest of these Hawks as they move forward for the Bucks, starts with Giannis. He had 25 points, nine rebounds, six assists. We talked about Drew. Chris Middleton got back on track. He was 15 points um, and had a rebound. Brooke Lopez, 16 points, seven rebounds. No, 16 points, one rebound, zero assists. And then PJ Tucker had one point, seven rebounds, and three assists. Again, a big area that the Hawks are going to have to clean up is just on the rebounding. It is so deflating to have a good defensive possession go to waste because you allow the other team to get an offensive rebound. And the Hawks gave up 16 offensive rebounds, again, which led to 24 points from the Bucks. But this is a game where you look at and you're really the takeaway is just how much harder the Bucks were playing. And I don't know if it was how much harder the Bucks were playing than the Hawks were in this game. I don't think that's necessarily the takeaway, but it is certainly how much harder the Bucks played in game two versus how hard the Bucks came played in game one. There was a sense of urgency with this game with the Bucks, and you go down 0-2 and it's brutal. So really the Hawks takeaway is they went in to Milwaukee, they got one of two, and now they come home and they're playing in front of their fans. And I think there's certainly things that the Hawks can clean up. I I do not think that Trey Young will have another game in this series where he has nine uh, turnovers. I think he's going to be much better and he's going to look at what the Bucks threw at him and be able to process it and find out where his outlets are. But this is a, a stark reminder that, look, you can get beat pretty badly in the NBA. And um, this is a team that wants to make it to the finals just as much as the Hawks are. And Hawks do. And uh, the Hawks are going to have to play a, at a much higher level. They can't have 20 turnovers. They need to have more than 13 assists. The Bucks are doing a nice job of getting into passing lanes and really kind of limiting what the Hawks do moving the ball. I think that the Hawks, one area that they can clean up is there's a lot of ISO work going on. A lot of um, the Bucks were switching much more in this game, and whether it was Kevin Herter on Brook Lopez or Giannis on Trey, the Hawks were trying to work some one-on-one matchups. And the one area where I think the Hawks have a distinct advantage in those one-on-one matchups is John Collins. John Collins has shown whether it's P.J. Tucker, Drew Holiday, or any smaller Bucks player, he can score over all of them. So if the Bucks are going to go to this small switching scheme, feed freaking John Collins. Um, and he had a massive dunk, put-back dunk, which was good to see. But that is one strength of the Hawks. Otherwise, 
Um, I don't think, I really don't like Trey Young just trying to go ISO at the three-point line. He certainly can do it. There's nothing, I'm not saying he can't do it, but he is so much better uh, diamond up his teammates or getting to the basket um, in those in those opportunities. So just a really tough loss. Again, you give the Bucks all the credit in the world, 125 to 91 win over the Hawks. But the Hawks, you know, all that that does is it ties the series at 1-1. And this is now a five-game series. Um, the first team to get three wins wins. And the Hawks come back and will play game three in Atlanta on Sunday night. And the Kettlecast will be here to talk to you after that game. Go Hawks. Thank you for catching this episode of the Kettlecast. You can reach me at kettlecast at gmail.com. Go Hawks.